With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mike Tomlin's press conference is today at noon. Season-ending press conference. Sounds momentous. Probably won't be. But at the same time, Man, there's some stuff in there that I'll be listening for very, very closely. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. I'm in Philadelphia covering the Penguins. And yes, I would have been here anyway, even if the Steelers had advanced. There was plenty of time to get from here to Buffalo. But, you know, detour, big, big detour. And the Steelers themselves could be in line for one of those as well. Tomlin is not the type to speak up very, very soon after a season-ending loss. Um, He's not done that in the past. He certainly wouldn't do it in the postgame. The one thing, though, that you get from these sessions with him, the one thing you can bank on is that it's the one and only time all year long where he will even entertain questions about longer term patterns or things that are right or wrong with the Steelers in some broader context. A lot of fans get upset when they hear reporters or don't hear reporters ask questions about, well, what about this? And how does that line up with what happened against Jacksonville three years ago or something like that? The thing is, I can ask that question into oblivion. And the only answer I'm going to get, and I know this because I've asked these questions, is that was a different team, that was a different year. He believes through training camp, through the regular season and obviously into the playoffs, that everything is just a one-week slice of life. There's no broader anything. Even if you bring up something that had just happened a couple weeks earlier, he won't address it. So I can either waste my question or, you know, find something more useful to ask. Well, today is a different day. Today, he, he takes those. And believe me, He'll get them because there are some patterns in place with this organization. And yeah, that includes the Jacksonville game. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Fubo TV. Tonight happens to be the start of hockey season. If you're one of those people who doesn't notice such things until they come up and hit you in the face. Fubo TV offers you a chance to find a different way to watch AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Meaning, scrap your cable. 
Ditch your $200 monthly bill. Go to Fubo TV instead for just $65 a month to watch that channel, meaning everything related to the Penguins and Pirates all year round, as well as NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Premier League, all your main sports channels, everything that you love to watch, all those channels that you've said, this is the reason I can't get rid of cable. Now you can just get rid of cable. But wait, I can make this even better. I can make this even better. Just for listeners of this podcast, if you go to fubotv.com slash DK, you'll get a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. No contracts, no catches. You can cancel at any time. One more time, go to FuboTV.com slash DK to get 15% off your first month of FuboTV. Rising above everything else that Tomlin has to deal with, that the Steelers have to deal with, at least for me, at least from my own viewpoint, is that these coordinators have to go. And yes, I pluralize that. I'm aware, to start with Keith Butler where his defense ranked, about all the sack records, and everything else. Great. Give him a trophy. You know, (laughs) T.J. Watt can sign an autographed photo on the way out. Bud can sign it too. I have no doubt that Keith Butler contributed significantly to that sack record to the maturation of TJ, to the proper usage, eventually, of Bud, and to a lot of other players getting that job done. But I also know that football, like all professional sports, is a game of outcomes. And games get more important the deeper you go. And what we've seen of this defense now three years in a row, three years in a row. And I'm talking just about regular seasons right now is a hard fade. You can blame injuries. You can blame Bud, Devin Bush going down. Every team has that. This group has faded and, and gotten more exposed the deeper it's gone into each of the past three seasons. That's a problem. This team has also played two playoff games in that three-year span. And it's given up a grand total of 93 points in those two games, meaning to Jacksonville and then to Cleveland. 93 points in two games. Each one of those games set a franchise record for most points allowed in a playoff game. So what's coming next? Like 50 next year, assuming they make it? Playoffs are when the coaches are the most exposed, for better or worse. That's when the heaviest planning goes in. That's when all those plays, those great plays you've been maybe saving in your hip pocket, those original schemes... All that knowledge that you've built up, 
that's when they come into play. And when it's a divisional opponent that you played the previous Sunday, you should have everything figured out. Everything. I don't want to keep bashing the Browns. They won. They advanced in the playoffs. But I'm also not going to pretend that they aren't exactly what they are. Baker Mayfield is an eminently stoppable quarterback. He's a quarterback who's prone to making not just mistakes, massive mistakes. The Steelers forced no turnovers in their final two weeks, both against the Browns. Want to blame Bud's absence for that? You know what? Go nuts. I'm not doing that. The Browns also didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't have Joel Batonio, uh, the, the left guard, who's their top offensive lineman. They lost their right tackle during the game. All they had was what everyone knew they had. They had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back, and they had Jarvis Landry at wide receiver. Chubb blows right through everybody. Easy, long-distance touchdown. Kareem Hunt is knocking people over. You'd better believe that's on the players who are out on the field. But you can't exempt Butler from it, not when he knows there are only three guys to defend. Least defensible of all were the linebackers covering Landry. Happened again and again and again, including on one of Jarvis's touchdowns. Happened on a third and two that's actually now going viral on the internet. The Browns had one wide receiver on the field. Everybody else was either a tight end or a running back. Split wide. Not kidding. If you haven't found this yet, find it. Just do a search on third and two and Keith Butler. And you'll see it. It's unbelievable. They're spread out everywhere. Jarvis Landry is off to the right of the line. He's literally the only wide receiver on the field for Cleveland. Who did the Steelers have lining up opposite Landry? Yeah, Robert Spillane, who not only is a linebacker, but is also your most flat-footed linebacker on the entire roster, including the special teams dudes. That's That was the alignment there, third and two. Not only do the Browns convert the first down, but they end up getting a pretty significant gain out of it. It was late. That was the end of the game. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for having your linebacker on Jarvis Landry. Not just that play. It happened again and again and again. And it's happened all throughout Butler's tenure. You have to understand here, no one does this in football anymore. If they do, it's an accident. Or just an unfortunate circumstance, like you couldn't get the right guys on the field. This happened time and time and time again. Blames to be spread all over the place. Why was Spillane playing fresh off of a longer-term injury? Instead of Avery Williamson, who's better at covering people. Why was he out there on a third and two? 
How much of that is Butler? How much is Tomlin? Do you believe what some people close to the Steelers are suggesting that Tomlin took over the play calling from Butler anyway? I'm always skeptical of that kind of stuff, but you'd better believe that's coming up today as well. Gotta go. Sorry, man. Been real. <laughs> you know, that's it. Randy Feetner is that much worse of a case. His isn't going to feel as fresh because the Steelers put up 501 yards of passing, put up 37 points, and realistically nothing that went wrong in that first quarter or very, very little of it could be attached to the offensive coordinator. Randy Feetner didn't tell Marquise Pouncey to snap the ball over Ben's head. He didn't tell Ben to throw the three interceptions, so on and so on. But this isn't about what's fresh. And this is not about just this week. To go back to my original point, this is about bigger picture stuff. Randy Feetner has shown virtually no imagination as a coordinator, very little ambition. I don't hold him as responsible for the lack of downfield passing as I do Ben, particularly earlier in this season. I really feel that's something that Roethlisberger wanted to try to avoid for as long as he could until he was forced to. And, you know, funny thing was, once he finally was, he did mostly fine with it. I didn't see a coordinator that showed anywhere near the creativity that I see from other teams when I'm watching them, that I see from the Steelers' opponents when I'm watching them, where I go, oh, wow, you know what I'm talking about. You're watching, whether it's on TV or the stadium, and you go, nice play, regardless of who you're watching or what team you might be pulling for or whatever. You just say, nice play, wow. Not just the athleticism, but the design. How many times have you done that with a Feetner play? Earlier this season, we saw the Steelers introduce Matt Canada's back and forth and jet sweeps, and then those just kind of disappeared. They stopped doing them. Why? I don't know. I'm not in those back rooms. I'm not, you know, hearing what might be happening between Feetner and Canada and Ben and Tomlin and whoever else. All I know is the product that I see in front of me. And I know the product that I've seen in front of me. But I'll tell you what else. I've also got a pair of ears. And I've heard what the Steelers said when they hired Matt Canada to be the quarterback's coach. And we asked if he's also going to be involved in the play calling or play design. It would have been so easy for everyone associated with the team who discussed Canada to say, oh, no, 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 he's a quarterback's coach. What do you think we are, weirdos here? We didn't hire a quarterback's coach again. They didn't do that. They acknowledged it. Sure, yeah, he's there for that. Six weeks ago, when the Steelers were immensely struggling on offense, Mike Tomlin was asked, point blank, if there would come a point where basically someone else would call the plays on offense, if, if that's something that he would consider, here again, 
perfect opportunity to just say, what? Get out of here. What a terrible question. You're the worst reporter ever. How can you ask that? We have an offensive coordinator. He didn't do that. He said, sure. Sure, he said. I'll tell you what. You add that up with the other thing about Butler, I'm not sure Tomlin wants either of these guys back. If he does, if he wants either of them back, this is going to be the time for one of those Art Rooney interventions, like when he ditched Bruce Arians to bring in Todd Haley. Only, you know, don't bring in Todd Haley. Get yourself one of these up-and-comer coordinators who's versed and schooled not only in football, not only in instruction, not only in motivation, because that actually is part of a coordinator's role. It's lessened. The positional coaches do more of that, but it's part of it. But how about some analytics? Football's got more and more data available on an annual basis. It's got more and more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like scientific-type rules or thought processes that you want to have. You know, like don't go for it on fourth and one from your own 38 when you're down 20 points in the fourth quarter or whatever that was. The Steelers don't exactly have an abundance of this type of thought process in their coaching staff. And if there's too much of the same and you have a chance to maybe infuse the staff with some of that, maybe, maybe, maybe some of that influences the head coach in more of that direction. I'm you know, Notice I'm not even talking about the head coach. There's no point. He's not going anywhere. That That is that. But these coordinators have to go. You cannot look at these results in recent years, especially this one especially when this team illustrated for, what, nine, ten weeks, not the whole 11, the talent level that they had at hand. And then to collapse like that? That's not on Bud Dupree, believe me. Time for some serious change. Today's going to be fascinating. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question that's always brought to you on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, or LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG take pride in making you promises that they will keep. They've been doing that in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more online at lgkg.com or give them a call at 888-842-5454. Today's question comes from Dudley who asks, can you name a loss that was worse in the Tomlin era? I mean, they all feel like they're the worst in the moment. It's fresh. It hurts. You had expectations. 
it's been a lousy calendar year for pretty much everyone on the planet. The Steelers were uplifting for a while, and then they just came crashing down. But I can casually name three of them that were worse. In ranking them in a reverse order here, I would go... Number three would be Denver in the Tebow game. Uh, it was jarring. That was a pretty good football team the Steelers set out there in Denver and that quarterback was who he was and is who he is now a minor league baseball player but those passes to Demarius Thomas scorched Ike Taylor which no one could have expected and then came the fumble by Fitz Toussaint, and yeah, yeah, that was emotionally. That's the worst locker room I've ever covered. That was it was just sheer devastation in there. This would be number one if we were going by emotions. Number two is the Jacksonville game, mostly because unlike the Tebow game, didn't feel like a fluke. I mean, you could look at Blake Bortles and say what you want about him, but the part that wasn't fluky was Leonard Fournette just killing you up the gut again and again and again. And Butler never, never really adjusting to it, never forcing Fournette to find another hole. It was like something you see in a Class A football game between like Clareton and Geibel where Geibel just has no one at all who can stop Clareton's big stud. Just boom, boom, boom. It's embarrassing. But it didn't feel like an upset. Between the way Fournette ran, Jalen Ramsey's defense, and, and Bortles actually was pretty smart in that game. A lot of screen passes, play action. He was good. He was good. It didn't feel like a fluke, but really, really, really bad nonetheless. That was a 13-3 and Steelers team. That went down. Number one. Nobody ever mentions this. Maybe because the expectations were low. Number one loss. Worst loss of the Tomlin era. was still the Super Bowl. And I understand everybody was happy to get there. But it's the Super Bowl, you know? And although the Steelers didn't have a secondary, you'd still like to have thought that they would have found some way to stop Aaron Rodgers, you know, maybe like once out of every five times from getting a touchdown. Now, I was there. I, I covered that Super Bowl. It was down in Arlington, Texas. And believe me, the players were destroyed by this. I don't think it was as angry as they were after the Tebow game because they felt mad at themselves after the Tebow game. This was just disappointment. It was devastation. There's no substituting the opportunity that comes from participating in a Super Bowl. You look back on that now, that was or would have been Marquise Pouncey's only chance at a ring. He didn't play that weekend, obviously, but there are other guys, Ramon Foster, his only chance. 
Ben Roethlisberger had a chance at a at a third. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. I'm sorry. That's number one. I know the expectations for the Steelers were low going into that one because of the secondary, but that doesn't make it any less crushing. Good question. Thanks to that. Thanks for that, and thanks to everybody for listening. We will do this again tomorrow. And by the way, this show doesn't go away just because the Steelers have. This goes on. It, we're going to be here every weekday morning. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.